all sides fancy. Damn. All right. Here we go. Episode number one of the Without Equal podcast. So I'm your host, uh, Rob McQueen, one of the principals and founders of Cinepari. I'm joined by uh, my two other partners and founders of Cinepari, uh, Steve Cargill and Chris Perry. Uh, so let's just, we'll start off just by going around the horn. Uh, I guess I'll start off since I'm doing this damn thing. Uh, Rob McQueen, 17 years in the US military, majority of that in special operations, infantry guy, and then civil affairs and just opportunities to do some fun stuff around the world. And then following that, I went over to the nonprofit space, uh, was the military project director, and then eventually the field operations director on the executive team of Waves for Water. Uh, and then I started and ran uh, the veteran division of Waves for Water called the Clean Water Corps, uh, where we just got a go do a bunch of fun shit all over the world that there we go already chris or, and steve we talked about this earlier i swearing already so this right, is good. Podcast. Uh, we will do our best to not swear but it's gonna happen because we're all from the military and it's been painful for me not to say fuck up to this point part of the lexicon we're just gonna it's just what it is like we're gonna move forward uh, so yeah, so that's my entire uh, story getting to this. A lot of experience. Uh, I've started, I've run a few startups and this is my second startup, real kind of real startup venture. Uh, Chris and I started another nonprofit at one point. We'll see where that goes. But it's just been a, it's been a great time and excited to kind of move forward to this. So Steve, since you were the, uh, the driving force uh, on getting Sine Pare moving forward, why don't you jump in and introduce yourself and, and then we'll pass it off to Chris. Yeah, man. Hey, uh, Steve Cargill here. 18 years in the Army and uh, last 12 years in special operations as a special forces officer. Um, last operation was in charge of uh, all special operations in Central America. Uh, fortuitously, that's where I got to meet Chris Perry. Rob was able to come down with uh, one of his nonprofits and uh, come do an operation with us and uh, brought Chris along with him. So I got to meet Chris and that was awesome. And, you know, obviously we're all together here now. So. Uh, really excited about yeah this endeavor here. Um, I guess you could say it's my brainchild, um, but uh, you know had a bad day at work one day and it was really the catalyst for what this has evolved to become. And uh, you know really lucky to have the uh, the cast that we have here, Rob, Chris, and then all of our our cadre, their consummate professionals that uh, you know I feel lucky to be surrounded by. So uh, with that, pass it off to Chris. Yeah. Chris Perry, uh, yeah, retired now, but started out uh, infantry, went to special forces just before 9-11, uh, a little bit. So 23 years total in the military, 21 of that in special forces. Uh, as 18 Echo and then 18 Zulu. I was pretty fortunate. Uh, first group my entire time, had a pretty robust list of deployments to all the fun spots. And then towards the end of my career is where I met Rob McQueen. And he brought me on to some nonprofit work, which was a great time, learned a lot, and was actually able to give back quite a bit, which really facilitated the veteran transition process. Like I said, it was towards the end of my career, which uh, I've been very fortunate with my transition out of the military. Uh, we started doing projects all around the world, really, with a phenomenal organization. And that's where I met Steve, uh, Honduras, I believe it was, and continued on to do a bunch of different uh, projects concurrently and then through the three of us coming together again this was steve's brainchild uh and then the three of us have been able to put the project together 
in addition to, and we couldn't have done it without with without some amazing cadre, and then the people who volunteered to be uh, our initial uh, alumni class that went through. Uh, so we've learned so much from it, and we're really looking forward to getting on and improving and learning going forward from what we've learned so far. Really excited, and it's really inspirational project. The personally for me, the veteran nonprofit piece that Rob and I were working on was a great kind of give back feel to it. And this is just taking it to the next level. Um, what we're doing here, really giving back to, to the force also. Dude, this, this really did start in Honda, didn't it? Like, this is kind of where this whole like group yes. team that we have going on kicked off. And I gotta, yeah. gotta go back to Honduras. I think Steve, I think we can talk a little bit about that trip uh, and Chris, because that was a blast. Like that was a crazy one, the craziest landing I've ever been on in a civilian aircraft. You <laughs> well, everybody claps at the end uh, when they get on the ground in Honduras because there's a cliff at the end of the runway. Well, there's a cliff, but flying in, they're literally on wing on like a 90 degree turn. And when they level up, you're below ground. It's like cut yeah. into the hillside. Yeah, it, it is the shadiest landing I have ever done outside of a military aircraft ever. I remember specifically flying in because I had a window seat, I believe, and I looked out the left uh, window and I thought, oh, there must be two airfields here because we were at, I think, 1,500 feet or so, and I could clearly see the airfield out to the left of the airplane. And then it was a 90-degree bank, and we slammed on the ground, and we slammed on the brakes. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> welcome to Tegu. Yeah. It was, uh, well, yeah, also, too, you guys happened to get there on a, uh, a, a good day because uh, I was there that same year, 2019, and on May... 30th or 31st, forget which, um, you know, it's the, the airport there is prone to being taken over by protesters. And uh, it was it was seized by protesters that day while I was there about to fly over to Panama. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you got that going on, too. Well, I mean, we because we rolled in. And so we had Greg, which just a shout out to our boy, Greg, if you just one of the most talented videographers and raddest dudes I've ever met in my life. Uh, Greg McKillop, but so Chris was on one side of the plane looking down and Greg is on the other side of me looking up and at least Chris and I have had the experience of some shady military flights hard landings, right? yeah. like hard landings but we're in a united you know triple seven like this is not a small <laughs> aircraft and Greg is looking up at the sky and looking down and he's like grabbing onto the seat I was like it's gonna be okay and in my mind I'm like there's a solid chance we might die but Greg doesn't need to know that right now and didn't know it at the time but if I remember correctly Steve you'd know was uh Tegucigalpa the the airfield there it drops off at the end of the runway doesn't it like it's fairly yeah short. yeah there is a cliff and um if you would have gone over the cliff you wouldn't have been the first <laughs> <laughs> well and then and then so we make it through we go through customs because we've got John Rose with us who's you know stellar founder of Waves for Water and then we have R2 who's probably the greatest photographer I've ever worked with uh Nepom Chaco I there's there's no way I mean I, I totally butchered his name R2 I apologize uh from the Philippines so we had you know, four Americans and a Filipino photographer coming into Tegucigalpa. We get outside of the air, the uh, the airport, and then it's like, hey, we need to go hide out in the team house because there's a national level protest going on, and we can't leave. So we sat we sat on the balcony and watched a, a massive march and a few a few like uh, some smoke bombs go off. And I was like, well, welcome to Honduras. I think it's one of those things that coming from a military background, you understand or respect a little bit more, but stuff you don't see see in the states as much. I remember the first day we were going out to do operations was literally the protesters had the entire, like all lanes of traffic blocked leading yep. out of town. And we just had yep. to turn around and. Yeah, the, um, the the, there were 
like guilds of people that were doing protests on you know various days same days etc there were days when like the national guild of the nursing guild all the nurses were protesting you were there on a day when all the truck drivers were like hey we're going to clog up the major arteries and make change because no one's getting anywhere you know and it was like that all summer that's crazy that was crazy. And I just remember going out to him because we went all the way out to the Nicaragua border, did some good water projects out there in those small towns. That was an experience, man. It was good. And I, it was super fun. I mean, Steve and I met back in 2009. I think we yeah, met in 2009 at the Captain's Career Course. Uh, and it was just super fun to, to kind of come together later on in life and, and work this whole thing out. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a journey. I mean, Chris and I, we our first project we did together was riding moto across the Gobi Desert with BMW for the uh, GS Trophy in what 2019 or 2018? 18. 2018. Got the T-shirt. Yeah, got, got the T-shirt. Uh, and that was, I mean, that's that's a, I I don't know, that's an experience of a lifetime. That's just Once one of those things where like just unreal, unreal experience. I don't think ah, uh, unreal experience. I don't I don't know how to like go back from that. Uh, but just the things that we've gotten to do, and and, and as Chris said been able to give back uh i think we've worked almost 12 natural disasters together chris i think over the past four years uh and so being able to cycle this back and and shift to kind of take our expertise and experience um expertise is a loose term in this one so you know we can we can pare that down but our experience uh and really tie it into giving back in a different way and, and starting to shape the next generation so kind of what you can expect from the podcast as we go forward is you're going to get some conversations from from three of us you're going to get some of our alumni you're going to get our insane group of cadre who are just overly qualified to work with us uh, and then what we're going to get to do is we get to bring in some of our network and and just through our life experience we've we've been able to brush elbows with some really talented and really incredible people who've had some great experiences in leadership both positive and negative uh, and they're going to come on and they're going to share that with us. So from former Congresswomen to senior special operations leaders, to executives in business, to nonprofit founders, we get to work through the entire gamut of leadership across the spectrum, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but today you're stuck with just us. And what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of dig into how this thing came to be, uh, what we really see it doing, why the hell we're doing it. Uh, and then hopefully set the stage for you guys to kind of hit the subscribe button and, and listen to us a little bit more because I swear to God we're not that boring. Like we've we've done some fun we've done some fun shit in our days, uh, and you'll get some stories out of us because all of us are drinking. I'm on a an IPA today because someone gave that to me in a uh, at a party and that they came over for, and so apparently I'm living my semi millennial roots right now with an IPA. Uh, Chris, what do you or Chris, what are you drinking? I saw some bourbon, I think. Yeah, bourbon. Like a true Texan. There we go. And Steve, I saw you had your uh, your German mug up. What do you got in there? A Heffy? Weizen. It's a Weizen. There it is. So there's our there's our linguistic our linguistic genius jumping back and forth. Uh, but yeah, so I think the next way to jump off is, hey, Steve, go back to what we talked about earlier. Go back to your your terrible day, uh, and then kind of go through your thought process. And I don't think I've even asked you on this part. Because I just got a phone call out of the blue from you about this thing. So go through your thought process uh, and then, then kind of take it up to where you got to me. Yeah, my uh, no good, terrible day. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, um, you work in government. You think that uh, you're, you're surrounded by professionals, you know. And, uh, you, you know, one, one of my things that I, I try to do is I 
give people hundred percent of my trust in the beginning, because you have to trust in the, in the infrastructure, in the, in the system that, you know, these people have gone through some sort of education, some schooling, some training, and there's been previous bosses that have blessed off on these people to get to where they are in their, in their existence to say, Hey, they deserve to be there because they're capable and they're competent. But uh, sometimes, I don't know, maybe people slip through the cracks or maybe it's just a, their bad day. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I had a day at work where the boss who had just, so it, the deputy of the element who more or less took over by force because the, the actual dude in charge was rather sheepish, um, decided that he wanted to change the infrastructure of the organization uh, without ever having really consulted anybody, uh, without really having an understanding yet after a month's time there in the office of the dynamics uh, and so on. And uh, my, my group, we were having a, uh, a weekly meeting and he came in and he was just sat down and you know, let us finish our, our sentence more or less. And then he said, hey, um, coming to you with some changes from today. Well, now you said, we're going to disperse all of you amongst the rest of the organization and we're going to restructure. So on the spot, he dissolved my group, uh, which had been a high performing team, which had been the driving force of our operations. Uh, and um, it was just came as a total shock. And I was like, so, hey, chief, um, when does this take effect? He was like, right now. I, I was in total shock. I couldn't believe it. This guy, you know, I was having impact. I was enjoying the impact that I was uh, able to achieve with the, the high performing team that I was with. I enjoyed that, that group dynamic. We were, you know, hopping and popping, you know, so to speak. And this guy brought it to a screeching halt. And after that, I don't think that I, I was able to achieve the same sort of impact because I was going into uh, a new element that, uh, you know, had their own set processes um, you know, I, I was able to, to continue to work and, and do good things, but it wasn't at the same level. It wasn't the same experience. And it, it, it was just, and it was just completely disheartening because there was no dialogue. There was no, uh, research done. There was no polling. There was no, like, you know, the, he just came up with this out of the blue and implemented it in a vacuum. And, uh, you know, there was no engagement in order to try to, to get everybody's buy-in in order to, to make a, you know, to reorganize a high-performing team. No, he reorganized chaos, more or less, and, and it stymied the momentum that we had. And so this really pissed me off. Uh, and uh, I dwelled on it for, I don't know, it had to be two weeks. Uh, first, I, you know, you go through all the, the stages of, uh, of grief you know, and I was going, I was pissed off and, you know, and then I was just like, well, I guess this is how it's going to be. But, you know, but I couldn't accept that. I was like, I need to do something, you know, because, and then just, just an aside, you know, one of the greatest regrets of my, my career has been that I've never really had a mentor and granted part of that's probably on me. Uh, but, you know, I've grown up with, you know, learning to become a leader by saying, don't be like that guy. Don't do what he did that's jacked up. I'm not going to do that. And, and that's how I've been able to, to navigate my career and to be able to provide, um, you know, guidance to those who I've been in charge of and had to interact with, um, you know, that's how I've learned. And so this is this the last straw of just ridiculousness of seeing leaders not performing up to their potential. 
and uh, and and it just it set me off. And so I dwelled on it. I couldn't sleep. I was like, I have to do something. What can I do? Well, within that that context, that infrastructure, I really didn't have much of an option. So I was like, well, I need I need to to take this negative energy and channel it somehow. What can I do? I started thinking about you know how can I, you know the problem is all right leadership. It's at a deficit. It's missing here. All right. I've also experienced that it's, you know, missing in other places, you know, when people are focused on a, uh, you know, a highly, you know, uh, highly complex skill, you know, they're really good at that, but they're not really paying attention to the people around them. And so their engagement's kind of off. And so, but, you know, eventually, because they've done really well with that skill, maybe they'll get pinged, you know, to, to be a leader five, 10 years down the road. And those are the people that either sink or swim and have never been groomed and grown into a leader. And, um, so I see that as a problem. And I was like, well, maybe I can have an effect on that. Where is it most important to, you know, when do people start learning about leadership? When should they? Maybe in high school when, you know, you start doing organized sports, team sports, uh, you know, begin to grow leaders early in order to allow those attributes to really mature over time and not be a, a forced thing, you know? But then I was, I was talking to somebody else and they were like, Steve, Whose parents are going to let you near their fourteen-year-old kids? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm so, pretty sure you still have a a solid memorandum saying not within five hundred feet of a school. Right? <laughs> like I think you're still at that piece. <laughs> I have one driving by schools. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, but no, it is real but, quick. Uh, if I could say, I mean, it is something that you realize, and one of the things that gravitate that why I gravitated towards this project is leadership exists in everything. I mean, it does from like you said from. Uh, school sports as a kid that you like you it, it it's everything we do leadership is progress or it affects progress in everything every walk of life every job everything that has to be done leadership is involved and so the ability to affect that or to make it more efficient or to uh, have better leaders I mean it affects every aspect of our life I think that's why it's so important and, and again why it really resonated with me yeah, leadership is that intangible thing that you can't get away from. You try to, you know, streamline stuff and say, oh, we don't need that. We're going to focus on this uh, without really focusing on those aspects of leadership with engagement, with being self-aware, with having awareness of those around you and, and knowing what makes others, you know, tick and what really drives engagement and builds momentum. You know, you're not going to get anywhere, and so that that was the the problem that I experienced. And so, you know, I continued to go through the thought process: how can I do something? And finally, I was like, you know what? Uh, if I'm going to do anything, I certainly can't do it on my own because this is, um, as I think about it, you know, this is this is going to require an organization of some of some sort for me to be able to really reach out, and you know, it's going to be time intensive. So, hey, let me reach out to you know one of my best friends, Rob McQueen, and see you know what are his thoughts. First of all, I need a sounding board. Does this sound crazy? You know, and it, hell, it might have been you that told me not to go after, you know, you know, trying to uh, mentor, you know, kids, you know, because, hey, <laughs> you know, you, that, that, that'll that be a passion project. But, you know, what, where can you, you cannot say mentoring kids is a passion project that you can't say that it goes down the wrong line. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so then, you know, I brought it up to you as a sounding board, and you're like, yeah, I think you got something here. You know, I put together a little presentation for you, had you read it over, uh, you know, had, you know, this is the problem, you know, like, hey, there's a deficit of leadership across industry. Yep. How can we have an effect on that? How can we prevent 
what has happened in my career in terms of experiencing these, these bad leaders and try to have an effect in generating a, a generation of competent, great leaders. And, and so that's where it really started to, to foment. And, um, you know, and then later on, you know, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Uh, you know, you're like, hey, let's let's bring in Chris. You remember Chris? I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, it was because when you first called, I was like, I love the concept, and I think your initial thought had been, let's go do business consulting, and I was like, that is not the life I want to live. Like, I've learned, <laughs> like, I've been blessed in the aspect of like, I had a great career in the military where I didn't do a day of staff work, which I think is unique for an officer. Uh, and then on the backside of it, it was really easy. Like, I got to go do really cool things all around the world. And so when it came down to the thought process of doing that business consulting life, I literally would rather go just run my face into a wall. Yeah, but, that's that's job. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And so I, I kind of looked at it and I did what I think I always do when I, when I hear an idea and I'm like, oh, it's good. I'm like, I think I could be a part of that. I call Chris and I go, Chris, am I crazy? So we kind of run in this circle of like, you hit me, hey, am I crazy? And I go, I don't think you're crazy. Maybe we changed it a little bit. I can be on board with that. Maybe I'm crazy. Hey, Chris, am I crazy? And Chris goes, no, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, and then, and then the cycle went back and we went down to like, Hey, what do we create out of this? Like, what does this look like? Yeah. Uh, and we dig into everything and we, we go back and do our experiences from the different selections and processes we've been through and military experiences and, and really built out just a rad program. I mean, and, and I'm still, I'm still amazed at how fast this developed. I mean, we, I mean, we just incorporated in August of 2021. Yeah, incredible started, momentum. Uh, yeah, I mean, we started talking about this, what, in June? Uh, uh, no, no. So it was earlier than that because February. I remember it was it was like February. February yeah. 2021. My about bad day at work was like end of January sometime. Yeah, yeah so we started yeah. talking about it in February and we went zero to 100 uh, to running our first pilot in October. Um, I don't know, Chris, what did you think when I called you on this? Because I, I... You know, it makes sense. And, and to some of the other points, too, is, um, you know, talking about, I mean, like coaches or, you know, that's where a lot of at a at a young age, that's where you learn some leadership is youth sports, coaching, all that kind of stuff. But what you guys are talking about and some of the differences, we are interacting with people who are already at the precipice of one of being leaders or already leading people, but also the maturity difference too, which is a little bit like we have a very focused curriculum. We're able to push people a little bit farther. Um, and then coming from our backgrounds with, you know, the military training, military selections, some of the toughest training that there is, you know, on the planet. And so we have the opportunity to expose uh, senior, mature, prepared people to, uh, curriculum that's really challenging and something a little bit out of their comfort zone. So even what we've done so far, I've really seen a lot of growth or it, you can see it resonate with the people. Yeah. Um, and it just makes you want to get out there and do it more with more people from uh, the feedback that we've gotten from it, I should say. I mean, it, it's been pretty, pretty amazing and definitely makes me feel like we're doing something that is worthwhile and that's needed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like the, the way that, you know, we've been uh, developing this and, you know, the machinations over, over that time, you know, and, and developing the concept, we've talked about how, how did we go about engaging, you know, the various people that we would want to bring on as, you know, candidates or, you know, tr uh, people that we want to train or be involved with. 
And, you know, at a younger age, you know, people have immature um, attributes, you know, they need to grow them, refine them, and then that becomes who they are, you know, and then they collect skills along the way. And then on the other hand, you've got people who are the more experienced, but, you know, being somebody who's driven to succeed or driven to always learn and evolve, you know, maybe those attributes are mature, but perhaps we could add some skills that they could wield in addition to that to help further refine and then also to, to expand capacity, capability, whatever, and take them to that next level. So, and, and that's where we've kind of ran with that uh, in terms of curriculum building. Well, I, th- I think on top of that too, Steve, and I think this is an important part is uh, to what you both said on organized sports, all of us played organized sports and playing and specifically on a team sport. And I think that's where you learn to be a team player at a young age. And that's where you learn to be a leader. Right. And that is, yeah. I think, a critical aspect of adolescence and growing up and, and maturing. But when you really look at that from a different level, too, is what's unique about what I think we what we've built is that we're kind of creating that that catalyst, that shock moment where if you didn't have that that experience in the past to build off of, if you didn't have those developed skills and attributes and they're still sitting in kind of a a nascent form and all you've had is a small piece of, of leadership development or even just your own training in whatever your job is. I think this experience creates a level of experience that is a shock to the system, creates the pressure that you need that all of us have experienced in waves throughout the military. I mean, that is the best thing. Stress inoculation creates, I mean, it's kind of like hardening a diamond, right? Like you have to provide that stress. Uh, But I think what we've created is that good balance where you can make, if you didn't have that experience of years playing on, like for me, a hockey team and and learning how to do it over time, like we've created something where you can replicate a lot of that like experience and knowledge base in a short period of time in a very intense situation. And I think that to me, that's what I really love out of this. And, And the people that we had in our pilot are all talented individuals. And I cannot say thank you enough for them putting their time in to come out and let us run them through our test phase. Like, hey, just come to Texas, trust me, it's gonna be okay. Um, and they all came out, they all put out and they put a ton of effort into this thing and they crushed it. But the feedback from very competent, very talented individuals, I mean, we had vice presidents in, in, in Global 500s, we had uh, founders of nonprofits, we had you know makeup artists and, and mothers and we had a, a wide swath, firefighters, first responders, this incredible mix of people that came out and supported us to go through this process and the feedback from people that from them who were established in their own right was kind of blew me away and showed that we do that, that we do have the ability to shape somebody and provide that stress in a short period of time that that can kind of make up for what I don't think we're getting a lot of uh, yeah. these days. And I, I, I even remember going through the Q course and, uh, and, and Steve, I know you had the same thing. Chris, you went through it just a little bit before us. Uh, but when you had that piece of the guys coming through, even the ones that played sports, uh, if you remember the, the hip pain thing, where it's like your hip hurts, you're on crutches because, you know, the bone density wasn't even there. Just the shift in these next generations from a physiological standpoint and now to a resiliency and mental like strength or standpoint is drastically different than what we grew up underneath. And so... I think that type of catalyst and providing that stress is really important for leadership going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, what it is, uh, what it is, is it provides the opportunity. 
Yep. Because you know what they say is the world equally distributes talent, but it does not equally distribute opportunity. Yeah. There are amazing, you know, for every world-class athlete that's out there, there are other people who could perform just as well. They just never had that. Like you're saying, not everybody played youth sports or not everybody had opportunities to find some of their true skill sets and leadership like anything else. Although there are people who are maybe born more talented or more personable uh, with that, it's a developed skill set. And some people never get that opportunity to find out what good leaders they are or they can be. And so this is kind of that opportunity where they get to find out a little bit more about themselves. And we've definitely yeah. seen it with even just the class that we came through. Yeah, so like what we're able to do, yeah, we are able to provide that opportunity and in two ways, yeah, we can provide that if uh, that team sport sort of aspect is, is missing in their experience, this could be that for them as well to build upon. And then also too, uh, people wind up jumping headfirst into their jobs and then they just do it. You know, they get their, uh, theoretical education in college, you know, and then they jump into doing whatever they do. Whereas, you know, like in the military, before you're actually on the job, you go through training and iterations to do those, uh, you know, to, to be in an environment where you can practice and actually uh, try to do different things and, and see what works, what doesn't work and, you know, how people react to how you are to develop that awareness. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, that practice is missing in terms of, um, uh, being able to develop uh, in, in a training environment before actually going live. Uh, and so, um, you know, we provide that opportunity uh, and you know, people are able to, to grow that way. So, you know, totally agree with you. And then, you know, with, with Rob's point about the stress inoculation, uh, by being able to iteratively practice in a leadership scenario and be a leader for this scenario and that scenario and do it quickly over uh, a short period of time, 48, 72 hours, yep. what we're able to do is reach that level of stress inoculation to a certain point. And then that brings people to a moment, to a, uh, a level of clarity. And then, you know, without the stress, they can think clearly and be more decisive. So that, and that's a key attribute for, uh, for any leaders to be able to think clearly and then make a decisive decision, uh, you know, when conducting business. No, I think it's good. I, Chris, I think you've got clip of the day. For the highlight for this because i love that comment right there where it's like the world distributes talent evenly but it doesn't distribute opportunity evenly and i think sure. that's that's not my quote i'm paraphrasing something that i've heard before so don't oh, yeah. uh, don't trademark that oh no, I'm, I, but, no yeah, but realistically it's true you know for every for every professional athlete that's out there um you know there's a dozen if not hundreds who who could have been equally as good if not better given i mean that's just how big the world is that we forget about sometimes so finding those stressors those catalysts those opportunities to really uh excel is is something and the other thing i was going to say is you know we we very loosely modeled this on some of the special operations selection programs etc tailored it to civilian executive um and you know me as the operations guy and executing that had intended on uh, being prepared to scale it back a lot more because again, this is some of the most difficult training that people can go through and it's designed to be that way. I have to say, I was amazed at the resiliency of the average, uh, don't want to say average everyday person, but the people who came through, yeah. I mean, everyone exceeded our expectations with the ability um, to endure the stuff that we put them through. So I think it's just, um, 
something that gets brought out with the people, you know, as they go through the course, but people, when they challenge themselves, will be surprised with how much they can actually handle and endure. I mean, they did it. I, I was prepared to scale that back a lot more than we had to. And that yeah. initial cadre that we went through, not knowing what they were going to be subjecting themselves to and, you know, went through some pretty difficult training and yeah. succeeded. I mean, everybody passed and excelled with everything they did. And I think everybody's come back with uh, a lot of favorable commentary about it. A lot of stuff we learned from, but everybody was happy with what they went through and I think really grew from it as well. So it made me feel good that way. Um, but again, it did surprise me a little bit with how capable every single person was that went through it. Yeah. Also taken from, uh, you know, Chris's um, borrowing from elsewhere, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, really. I mean, it's just a matter of how you apply it, you know. And so this is how we're applying our things. And so, um, yeah, the, there was how many people were from the military? Very few. One was previous military, you know, going through the class. Former Navy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so they were able to, you know, so the, the idea is that there's no, there's never any growth unless you challenge yourself, unless you're outside of your comfort zone. Uh, you know, if, if things are just, just fine and, and, you know, never challenging, why would you change what you're doing? Why would you ever seek to improve? You know? So yeah, we look to put people outside of their comfort zone in order to see the growth and see how they interact with others under stress. See what I loved, what I loved from this pilot too, was outside of the fact that we pulled it off uh, and, and we're able to like really execute the way we were. I, I loved what I learned from the interaction and especially with the group of people that I was, I was assessing and evaluating and working through on, on the leadership piece was there were specific instances, uh, one specifically uh, on the first obstacle, literally the first thing we did were both brew, which you guys will get to know well uh, in our audience, brew is one of our, our definitely cadre with probably one of the biggest personalities. It's amazing. Uh, but Brew and I were sitting there and I think it was Yaz and there was just a level of EQ and patience and kind of the ability to, to swallow, like, I mean, what we, I mean, egos in special operations can be a, a hindrance at times. Uh, and it's the same thing when you get to senior levels in business and you get to levels in academia, pretty much anywhere where there's levels Egos of success, general, right? ego is a pain in the ass to deal with. Uh, and to watch people in this scenario put aside any ego, be patient, drive forward, accomplish success, but in a way that brought everybody together was, I mean, I had some great learning points for me to watch, ask questions, see the thought process, apply it to our methodology, but then go back to it and be like, wow, I was really impressed at the way that that was handled. And that's something that's going to involve me. Uh, as I move forward in, you know, in, in our role in this and, and other things that I do. And it's just, it's really a rad experience. And I feel like we've kind of cycled into both talking about leadership development, uh, which is kind of the crux of this thing, like where do good leaders come from? But we've also hit that point of like, we've built a, a, a cool program that I'm really excited to share uh, with people to come out and do it. And then even as we get more into this program, share our thoughts and, and kind of the stories and experiences behind it. Well, to, to Steve's point and kind of a universal life truth is growth comes from stress, right? I mean, yep. in every aspect of life. And I think with the way the world, life, everything is right now, to some extent, too, we've, we've lost uh, respect for how difficult like the lives of our ancestors were. Yep. Um, and we very rarely challenge ourselves or go outside our comfort zone nowadays. 
And that's truly where you're going to get the biggest benefit in whatever aspect, whether it's sports or leadership or anything that you're trying to do is getting outside your comfort zone and challenging yourself. And that's, again, there's very few opportunities I think that people can do in, a, in their day-to-day -day lives equivalent to this, where you can take a few days away, go to our compound for a weekend and have that austere ability to really challenge yourself and push yourself outside your comfort zone. Yeah, spot on. Uh, Steve, anything else from you? I think we'll round this thing out. And this was a good test podcast for us to kind of our first episode to get through it and chat. It was a good conversation. Uh, I'm almost out of my millennial IPA. So I'm going to have to go in and have a bourbon with dinner. Uh, but Steve, Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. OK. Uh, we're going to have to come up because Chris and I don't have a good call sign. But uh, Steve, our, I definitely like when we start getting our alumni daggers, like serial number 001. Uh, but call sign fancy. And that's my favorite. You guys heard it in the initial intro. Uh, so whenever you go to a small restaurant in the middle of nowhere, potentially in like the Texas, Louisiana, low country, uh, asking for a Pellegrino or a sparkling water at a small honky tonk slash bar generally is not going to go that well for you. And sometimes you get a really feisty waitress who looks at you and goes, where are you coming from, Yankee? Uh, and it's big, really creates a more entertaining scenario when everyone looks and goes, that's your call sign. And so uh, our illustrious senior partner here, our, our principal, definitely call sign fancy. And so you guys are going to see a lot from fancy coming on and we're never going to let him live that down. So thank you. For, uh, yeah, I love it. We, and we, I don't have a good call sign, man. I mean, my call sign in Afghanistan was Mac because my last name is McQueen. I don't have anything good. Like and, you and Perry's that, regulars, like that's rad. Like Perry's regulars. For those of you who aren't, you know, um, familiar with the military, yeah, the, the idea of the call sign is, uh, well, one that you typically don't make for yourself. It's like a nickname, you know? So, uh, yeah, I definitely didn't pick fancy for myself, but, you know, I own it. It's it me. fits. I'm, it I'm fits, you bougie now, bastard. So. It's perfect. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I love this. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us ramble back and forth. Uh, it will get better, I promise. Uh, and if you get a chance to check us out on cinepare.com, uh, check out our socials and then like and subscribe uh, to this podcast. We'll be putting out new, new shows every week. And then every month, you're going to get a good detailed look with uh, an interesting perspective from somebody who's really lived it. Uh, and I think that's a good piece we're going to bring together here. So thank you so much. Uh, I think that rounds out episode one, unless there's anything else from you two guys. Nope, cheers. Um, nope. No, cheers. Everyone have a good drink. Enjoy your day or evening, or whenever the hell you listen to this. All right, thanks. Fancy out. Wait, no, that's you. Steve, you got to say that. Yeah, don't steal my shit. Fancy <laughs> out. You can't out fancy. Fancy out. You can't out fancy. <laughs> All right, take care. <laughs>